Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right. You know what that means. You are listening to the Mystery of Parenthood. And uh, before we get started, we'll always, as we always do, we'll start with our prayer. So, Steph. Good morning. Good morning. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become, for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her wor- worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray for Lord. us. St. John Paul II. Pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So uh, today... It, it's perfect. Thaddeus sent over something today. Hey, hey, hey! An article <laughs> uh, that that springboard off of yesterday's uh, gospel reading on the mm-hmm. on the parable mm-hmm. of the prodigal son. Um, and so we're going to kind of go over this article. Is I think great, and actually points to um, another way of looking at it. Um, I think that it's one of one of my favorite stories for several reasons absolutely but um mine too but but what i what i love is there when i did a bible study with a group of with my brother and a couple of um high school kids some time ago and the thing that and this has we're going to not talk about this particular part but i think it's worth noting that the idea of prodigal the 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 word prodigal means extravagant like yeah like oh, you know, more pouring out than you would even expect to receive, and that it's called the prodigal son, primarily pointing to him wasting all of his all the money in the inheritance that he that he got and just spending extravagant in his extravagant lifestyle. That, but but as the church has taught and it's been pointed out that it's that that it also could be called about the prodigal father because of his rich mercy and his pouring out in a way that is more extravagant than anybody would think. I mean, we've talked about this before. I mean, most of us humans <laughs> would, as a dad, you know, we, we might find it in our heart to forgive our child. Um, we might even find it in our heart to, to welcome them back in the family as a son, not as a slave, but we might make them sweat a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Man. <laughs> you know, but like, Depends on who we're talking about. You know, no, I'm I, you know but I, I think I think that the that the way that the father responds in this case is um, is prodigal or extravagant, and so um, I think that that's typically the way it is. I mean, I think one of the things that that, that um, Thaddeus had brought up was to kind of talk about the senses, uh, the modes of interpretation on on that, and so you know, literally, the story's the story. You know, son. A son goes, a son goes, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not, I was like, I'm a, 
wow, did I go to the wrong mass? Because my gospel yesterday was on the Good, good Samaritan. Samaritan. <laughs> Why is a prodigal son? Well, this was a story we to tell yes. a story. <laughs> sort of a thing. No, I'm glad y'all should have corrected me earlier. Um, well, we, you know, well, you no, never know with you where you're going. Yeah, no, so no, I was so, trying to see if we were coming back around. No, here. so so bottom line is the bottom line. Okay, is, he's going to get there. The, he's going to be patient. I he's gonna wasn't going to get there. <laughs> I wasn't going to. Well, get we there. were making some but analogies. The I was bringing, there was there was yes. there's this kind of um, tie between this yes. one and the, the, what we're actually talking about today. <laughs> Surprise, guys! We, we got there's him off track twist. early. <laughs> yeah, hey. well, I got myself off track early. Um, no, the, the the extravagance of God's mercy tied to the to now the Good Samaritan, <laughs> the story of the Good Samaritan. So, hey, you know, that's Plot what twist. happens. Plot twist. Mm. Uh, but, but I think there's a, there's a <laughs> link showing. <laughs> hey, sue me. I, all right. I, went, I started talking about a different parable. I talked about a different parable. Big deal. At least it's my was show. A At least it was a parable by Jesus. So anyway. Oh, gosh. See, fun. if you're not off air with us, you get none of this. But it's okay. This, you, but, you'll, you'll, you'll get caught up soon. But, but, but with regard. <laughs> with regard to parables, this one is just another expression. And what we in this article talk about is really the extravagance and of of God's love and mercy um, for us who find ourselves in misery. Right, but the, but the senses of scripture, the senses of interpretation, it applies you know equally applies to either. prodigal it, son it, and to the good Samaritan. Well, so anyway, start with the literal meaning of the text. It, yeah, you start with the literal meaning of what's the story say. Yeah. I mean not reading anything into it, right. literally what happens. And, and so as a, as a old, um, theology student <laughs> who usually would probably remember the difference between two parables, but, uh, <laughs> but, but my professor used to always say, you know, what does the text say? I mean, what does it say? Right. Re- you're not just read what it is and, and not read into it. Just read what it says. And we have to usually start there. There, there's, there are three others. I mean, one's the moral sense, which right. on both of these would be, on both of these. So, what does it tell us about how to live? Right, how to live. You know, what, what's right and wrong. What, what should I do? Not do. Um, and, and so, with, with the um, good Samaritan, <laughs> with, with the good Samaritan, you see, um, you know. <laughs> Once, <laughs> we're, we're it was supposed to be the tide of the prodigal son was supposed to be this little thing that we could kind of talk about at one point, right. and now it's it's all taken over the show. That's yes. all right. Well, you know, yeah. we did ask the Holy Spirit to guide us, so exactly. there's there's something True. in here somewhere it's that somebody true. needs to hear, or just me being <laughs> stupid. But anyway, all right. But um, so the moral the, sense, the moral sense is you know on how to live. You know what being able to choose right from wrong and, and that. And so there's lots of different things like, you know, probably you don't want to be on a bad road by yourself. <laughs> and that's, that's going to be more, I mean, you want to, you want to, you want to make sure that you're with the right people, but, but, um, but also um, how we should respond. Cause this is in response to a question that Jesus is. Yeah. Asked. Who is my neighbor? Who is my the neighbor? And I've always, it, it's always kind of caught me because his response is the story. So uh, I, he's, you know, can I make a comment about that? Yeah. I have always felt like, I've always wondered, are the, okay, are the apostles there? And this student comes up to him and he says, yeah, so who is my neighbor? And Christ starts with a certain man went, to, like he just goes right, right into, into the story. It. Are the apostles there? And they're thinking, Oh boy! Think, like, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do hey, another him, story. Right. Why can't he just answer the question? <laughs> or, we have, we have we're trying to get to uh, you know so and so's house by this time. We're I'm hungry. We've or been they had, or they traveling had, all day. Or if they had a, if they had a little uh, little uh, phone like Stephanie did and said uh, and points to Good Samaritan. <laughs> like come on, <laughs> come on, Jesus. Like let's get to the point. Are you sure you're at the right place? Or? Anyway, yeah, Jesus probably knew exactly what he's doing. I did not, <laughs> but um, but anyway, so but but he, I, I get a kick out of the fact that he answers with the parable. Right, he just goes right into the, the parable. But at the end, I think when I think when he asked the question, and the way I take the question is, I would be saying, okay, so who do I need? You know, 
love your neighbor. So who's my neighbor? And and you'd think they're responsible. You know, it's the people you go to church with, your family, you know, kind of a, a limited group. Probably thinking, you know, I'm hoping he's going to say, the guy I, I can't stand over there, mm-hmm. I, I, I hated him for years. <laughs> he doesn't mean to love that guy, right? But he doesn't even go there. He doesn't even say that because the end of the parable, after he goes through the people, the the priest and Levite that walk by while he's after he's been beaten um, and left for dead, effectively everything's stolen. They walk by, and then a, a Samaritan who would be somebody who the person who's asking the question would assume would be not my not neighbor. Not my neighbor. Like he'd be <laughs> saying, "Not my neighbor." Is the hero of the story in a in a moral sense so it's actually the person who's doing well right is actually one of the people that he would expect or would have hoped well i don't have to love that guy right he's not really my neighbor now and that's and, actually or sorry finish your thought i'm well, sorry then then, then it, it gets to the end and then and then the what jesus says is which one was neighbor to the person who was in need uh-huh and that's exactly the opposite side of the equation. Yeah, that's right. He, that's right. He's fl- he's flipped it on him because he's basically said, "You shouldn't be worried about who you're supposed to serve. You shouldn't be worried about who I should. Who, I don't have to. I don't have to take care of that person. I don't have to love that person. It's more about what you do that makes a, a neighbor. Because which one was neighbor to? So it flips that. And I've always it's it." has perplexed me for a long time, but that's exactly what he does. Cause I'm trying to put myself in the position of the person asking, because I've probably asked something like that. Do I really have to be kind to this person? You know, do I really have to help this person? I mean, I don't like them. Maybe am I <laughs> off base? You ever met some president like company that? excluded? Right, I hope. Exactly. Well, that was on the list, but anyway, but, <laughs> But, That's why I decided to come in and blow up his show, <laughs> blow up his show plan but, today. But I, but I find it interesting that, that 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 it was more being a neighbor was not like who it was like what a neighbor does for somebody else. I found that I found that interesting. Um, so I think from a moral perspective, he's actually turning it not like ask yourself like, okay, these people are you know this finite group of people. I need to love as my neighbor, so maybe all Catholics or all Christians, but certainly not the Muslim or certainly not the atheist or certainly not the, I don't, you don't mean to love those people. Those aren't my neighbors. That's not what he says. It's like, it's like the, the atheist is walking down and, you know, a priest, you, me are walking by and we say, you know, I don't got time to take care of that person. And the atheist stops and takes care of the person who's injured and then which one was neighbor, not who do I have to take care of? I don't know. I I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I I, I think that uh, he kind of turned the tables on the question. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, the guy, <laughs> I mean, when he asks, so which one was neighbor, I would think, I mean, my initial response is like, well, I would say like, wait a second, that's not the question I asked. I want to know like, who do I have to <laughs> love as neighbor? But he does answer right away. The, well, the one, the one who took care of him, right? Yeah, the one who gave him mercy, who, who treated him with mercy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, but so the moral sense, the moral sense is, we're meant to take care of. If it, we're not meant to like decide, well, I need to watch out for that person, but I'm not going to look out for this person who I run across. The answer is, we're meant to be brothers. To everybody, I mean, it's effectively what, what? Yeah, because we all the, share the same nature, the same Cain human nature. And a- Cain and Abel. The question was, "Am I my brother's keeper?" And the answer is, "Yeah, you are." <laughs> now, I think there is this sense in. I think it's either. I think it was um, Chesterton who made the comment about now modern communications has somewhat distorted that understanding of neighbor in terms of there's too many people today who are more concerned about um, groups of people or stories or incidents that they read about or hear about in modern media. And they, and they don't see the need to serve the person who's right next to them, right outside of their doorstep, kind of alluding to the parable of 
Lazarus, right? The poor man right. outside the doorstep of the rich man. And, and I think this is, so. So we do at, need to keep that in, my, in right, mind, my too. My professor, and this may hopefully be in line with what you're just saying there. My professor used to oh, say. What I'm I, saying might be totally out of line. Well, <laughs> I don't, well let me say what I, what, I, what I remember one of my professors always saying, because people ask, well, okay, so how do, how do you know who you're called to serve? And my professor's answer was proximity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, so so who do you like run into? So obviously your wife, your husband, your children, the people you work with, the people you run across and have the eyes of faith to recognize that if somebody comes and asks you for help, it's not accidental. Mm-hmm. It's providential. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... So proximity, and I, and you know, our kids have just gone on these on mission trips across the world, and and I, that's beautiful, and they and they get exposed to things, and become very aware of how rich our country is compared to the places that they've been. Um, but at, at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, now you got to come back and be a missionary here, mm-hmm. you know, to the people that you run into, mm-hmm. not not thinking like I'm going to separate, okay, well, I'm on mission for those 10 days or seven days or 13 days. Yeah, that was a mission and that's great. Thank, thank God. And I'm sure you were helpful and you, and you learned a lot too about yourself, but it doesn't stop there. Yeah. You know, it's interesting how they both came back and this is a total aside, but they both came back. We don't do oh, so now we're doing a, you're we're doing, doing a side. I'm too doing now? a side. I'm taking my own oh, rabbit trail. My <laughs> <laughs> we're never going to get through all this. all three of them. We're never going to talk about the prodigal son today. <laughs> exactly. No, we've already talked about that. We've already that. talked about the prodigal <laughs> son. We've talked about the Good, good Samaritan. Samaritan. <laughs> uh, that they all three came back talking about the joy. Yes. In, uh, they, and they all went to different places. Haiti, Honduras, and... and um, Togo, Africa. And Togo, Africa. The joy that... that these people have that, that the the economically mm-hmm. I mean just Very such important. poverty but how we and and our economics is you know so amazing but yet the spiritual poverty that we have compared to these other um to these other people is just so I thought it's that funny, was they, very interesting. They never, I don't. They may or may not have talked I don't together, think but they they've did. all but mm-hmm. they've all come and it is it is a, the one thing. Other than they all said it was life changing, and the second thing was just a joy to be around. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they were smiling. They had nothing in lots of cases. They didn't. They were. But I for think life. what was amazing, and I think where we can cut, where we tie this back into to the Good Samaritan, is that in every one of their situations, the people were so present to them. They wanted to be near them and walk with them and hold their hand and you know, yeah. try to communicate, you know, with them, which I think speaks, you know, volumes about the Good Samaritan because right. obviously and, was, and he was present to. Yeah, he was present to do that. So, so anyway, I, th- I think that that is, you know, the more, the moral side of it is we're meant to do that. And, and on the aside, I think it, it just points to the fact that we can get co- so caught up in all the stuff that we're involved in and all the busyness and all the things that we have a, available where i mean all the um distractions that we have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that when you're over there and there's there's no tv no phone no roads maybe not a whole lot of water that really what you have is other people to be around yeah you mm-hmm. know not not something to distract us so um but, so the good samaritan actually is that he's the one that recognized not not the other people saw him the priest and levite saw him on the ground and saw what happened but for various reasons walked around i'm in a hurry i don't want to be that that's a sinner you know whatever that's um, that was one of the things that that struck me yesterday in the reading that i don't think i've really like heard i heard it just very loudly yesterday that they passed on the op- by on the opposite side you know like but they they use that same terminology right. for both of them passed by on the and i thought i just thought to myself golly how many times do I do that during the day? Like see something that probably needs to be done or could use my attention, you know, and I pass by on the other side, you know, pass by on the opposite side. Right. And, <clears throat> and I think it's important, you know, in, in this case, you've got somebody who's been beaten up and from a literal standpoint and robbed and 
left for dead. Um, and so that sounds like a, a big deal. But the reality is, I think most most of the time being present to another person or or taking time is a much smaller thing. And just because it's smaller doesn't mean it's not what you're called to. It doesn't mean that that's it. And we need to see those small opportunities as being big opportunities that God is saying. I was telling somebody the other day, um, we were talking about a guy who was a guy I work with who had, who had passed away while I was working with him about my age, died of a heart attack. And, and, and I was telling the guy, cause his name came up in the conversation and he, and I, and I came up again in another conversation and I was saying, you know, what I remember about him was when my mother died, I hardly knew the guy. And I can remember out on the steps of St. Mary's, this man who I knew but didn't know very well, who just came up, looked me in the eye, shook my hand, and said, I'm really so sorry, Trey, for your loss. I, I've never forgotten that. I mean, I, there's lots of things I've done. With, I, I've worked with him. But that one moment... In a moment when I was was a tough moment in my life to lose my to lose my mother, and just that little thing. That's what I think that we sometimes think it's got to be a big deal, or you have to have a profound thing to say. And the reality is is that is that we need to reconnect with what this. Just take care of their needs. I mean, if somebody's lost lost their mother or father or whomever, the answer is as simple as. I'm here. I want to tell you I'm sorry f- for your loss. And that's it. Never forgot it. <laughs> I'm sure there were other people that did it. For whatever reason, he stood out as, wow, because I think I, I didn't expect him to be there. And so I, I guess what I'm encouraging all of us to do is those little opportunities that may take, I mean, that took all of, you know, maybe an hour for mass and two minutes outside of the church out of the day has stuck with me. And mom's been gone for 20 plus years and I still can see his face and his words. And so with regard to this, from a moral standpoint, take every opportunity you can to say a kind word, to just be present in the midst of somebody who's suffering or who, who needs help to just be there is I think part of the lesson of this, even though this is a much major, more major deal, but I don't want to make it like it's got to be mm-hmm. some right. awful occurrence that you have to do. Those would make themselves evident. I think we miss the opportunity to be like the Good Samaritan in those in smaller small, things. Small yeah, well, and this this is an aside from from that. I mean, there's a lot in this story about prudence. I mean, you could you could launch into talking about right. how do we how yeah how do we decide those times where we you know, we see an incident on the street and and we make the decision, uh, not going to go engage in this. This looks kind of <laughs> sketchy. Right. Mm-hmm. Or to where another time you're driving down the road and you see somebody pulled off to the side and you say, okay, right. pull over and see if this person needs help. You're doing it not because you don't want to help the person, but you're just kind of saying, okay, I'm going to take a chance and hope. Right. And pray that everything is okay. Yeah. And, and I think, I, this is going to be a safe situation. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? And, that's, and you, you just, how do you, what, that's how hard do you make those decisions? That, that's, I mean, that's it's not a one size fits all. It's not, it's definitely not a one size fits all situation. I think, you know, you have to do what is, I, I think the answer is you try to figure out how could I help and then weigh the situation and say, okay, this is probably the most prudent way for me to help. So, you know, I've said there's been a if there's an accident on the road and somebody's, you know, maybe it looks like they might be injured or something, but you're on a fast highway and you've already passed it. You, know, yeah. you might say, I'm not going to turn around, but I may pick up the phone right there and say, Hey, there was an accident and here's exactly where it was. Yep. That would be that would be helping as well. Right? <laughs> I, yeah. I, yeah. I had a flat tire back last Thanksgiving and I actually had somebody, I had one of those situations where I had somebody stop and help me. This person ended up being a great help to me and was, gave a lot of his time to me to try to help me fix because I couldn't get the, um, the key for the last lug nut wouldn't fit. So you could get the last lug nut off. 
Oh, you know, one of those yeah. things, one of those anti-theft yeah. keys. Mm. The man gave a lot of his time Thanksgiving day, but when he pulled up, it was like, Ugh, I don't know if I want this guy. <laughs> right. This could be bad. <laughs> right. You know? Isn't yeah. that sad that, 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 yeah. I mean, it's the environment. Well, no, yeah, I mean, we, yeah. we have stories is, on both sides of that, right. I think. I mean, some of the best stories are when you. But he was neighbor to me. Though. Yeah. He was. I mean, it happened. We went on a, we went on a trip and had a lady and I that offered help and. Uh, in Hawaii, and we ended up getting in her car and thinking, "Oh, this might be it." <laughs> oh. <laughs> if my kids if did my, this, I would kid, kill them. My, I think, my, when, when I told the story to the kids, because she was not not just a little helpful, I mean beyond helpful, like yeah. it was a godsend type of help. Yeah. But I would tell the story to the kids. I said, listen, I want to preface this. If you ever did anything like this, I will kill you. <laughs> but, but I remember. I will kill you after you're dead. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I, so and it, we felt comfortable with it until we actually got into the situation and we're like, oh my gosh, she's going to drive us <laughs> off over here and we're we're all dead, you know. Uh, but anyway, but there, I, you know, one last story. My mother-in-law is is such a good Samaritan. She is oh. famous for for wanting to help the stranger and and the person uh, like that. And I remember one time, she and her and uh, my father-in-law were taking Robin and I to the airport to fly back to to uh, to fly out to Colorado to visit my family. And it's early in the morning, like five in the morning. There's somebody on the side of the road with flat tire. And she made my father-in-law pull over and check on these people. And I'm like, this is early in our marriage. So I'm thinking, so I can get home to my family and we're stopping on the side of the road to help somebody. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, it's. The person it's needed a- help. Turned out the person needed Needed assistance, and we got we got the airport on time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah. I don't know. I think my father in law is a fast you driver. Have to, you have to use you have to use prudence, I think, in yeah. doing it. But but the first thought should, how yeah. can I help? Yeah. Uh, and I would like to help. And then the second is, what's the most prudent way to do it to make sure I'm not putting myself, particularly today, in those situations. But the heart's got to be, not close your heart off to the person, you know. Yeah, I guess you have to weigh, kind of weigh your obligations too, right? Like if you, you have to think about the fact that, oh, I have a, maybe I have a wife, I have children who depend on me. And so I need to be thoughtful about the situations that I decide to risk myself. We talk about things and we have things that we, that we, that we support, but you know, there's people that come with a need and we'll talk about it. And we usually have some money set aside that we can do that or go pay a bill or mm-hmm. whatever that whatever comes up. But, um, but anyway, I, so to get all the way back to <laughs> yes. the which, third which, of four, yes. which, which by the way, uh, you know, if you're joining us, we are, we are, uh, we are talking about the gospel yesterday of the good Samaritan and, um, Thaddeus's article that he found is in, uh, it was on, uh, CatholicExchange.com. It was uh, back in December of 2016. It's called The Good Samaritan, Not Just a Good Neighbor by Dave McClough, M-C-C-L-O-W. It's a beautiful article. We'll link to it article. in the show notes. Okay, perfect. Yes, because mm-hmm. it's. I actually sent it to several people today because it's awesome. It's just a it's got a great angle. And um, I just, you know, I love his his thoughts on um, he's actually a counselor um, and, you know, talking about uh, you know just just talking about the the kind of the angle of the good Samaritan I never yeah, well, thought so what, about yeah what did you yeah, like about it Let's, I, I love the I love the the um, the idea so I guess going from Jerusalem to Jericho I guess Jericho was not a great place Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> and this actually yeah. ties into the next sense of scripture yeah yeah which is the analogical sense of scripture right yeah, yeah analogical so I yeah. guess yeah well, I don't know what that means but uh or is it Go allegorical? <laughs> there, those are the two remaining senses. There's, there's okay. And then there's the anagogical. Yeah, the anagogical. Oh, so it's allegorical and anagogical. Sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> My eyes are glazing over. <laughs> <laughs> but this, anyway, the allegorical is just, I was the example I was going to okay. use was, was Good Samaritan. The guy who's the helper is a, a Samaritan, which one of the things about them was that they were seen as half-breeds. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, St. Augustine 
for example, he has a whole beautiful exegesis on this passage, but what he says about the fact that the man is a Samaritan half-breed is that is Christ because of his two natures, natures. his right. human nature and his divine his nature. Okay. He's a ha he's a half-breed, so to speak. Ah, so that's okay. that analog, that allegorical okay. sense. Okay. Continue. Gotcha. So, yeah, so that the man walking, the, you know, the, making that journey was moving from the heavenly city yes. so, to sin. Go. So he was saying no to God. He was turning the his allegory. back. Yeah. Yes, he was turning his back on God. So I was like, oh, you know, it's all those little deep meanings mm -hmm. that like you mm -hmm. go, oh, you know, well, for me anyway. You right. know. No, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> the big ahas. Um, uh, but yeah, so that was one of the. One of the things I didn't, I didn't get the the whole half breed thing, but that's, I, I see that now. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so the, there's a, there, there, an allegory is some, you know, as an old English teacher, an allegorical would be that something kind of is a, it represents another, another thing, another thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so, so like that, the half breed representing God and man in the person of Christ. So that points that that's Jesus, the good Samaritan being us, I mean, all, you know, all sinners who are, who are walking away, that, that, that would, that would fall in the allegorical. Well, the Good Samaritan was Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good Samaritan was Jesus, Jesus yeah. Yes. And how. We're like the, no, we're like the beaten. We're like the beaten. Yeah, we're like, yeah, yeah, like St. John, St. John, Chrysostom. Well, at least I didn't say it was a good, it was a prodigal <laughs> son. <laughs> <laughs> prodigal son lying beaten there on the road. <laughs> Ooh, we, we're a hot mess today. <laughs> I think I'm the hot man. Uh, but anyway. well, we are hot. It's hot outside. Yeah, it's hot it's in hot. here. Yeah, That's yeah. right. Uh, hot in here. But, <laughs> but anyway, what are you going to say? Yeah, but St. Saint, Saint John Chrysostom, he talks about how allegorically the man lying on the side of the road, well, that's Adam. That's human. That's uh -huh. humanity who's left the garden mm. and is wounded, burdened by sin, and it's Christ who comes down, condescends down, comes down the road to heal him of his woundedness, mm -hmm. wow. bind up his wounds. Yeah, mm -hmm. so and that's why it's so cool to 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 go and find you know early church fathers. You can find it if you even if you get like um, eye bravery and read just the office of readings. You know you'll see you can find those oftentimes Saint Augustine or other saints that have written to to go pick up on some of these things that the church has and holds kind of it's in, in its treasure of these different ways of looking at this, that would be, um, the, the different ways of doing this, it would be ways that the church has looked at interpreting it. So, mm -hmm. um, the anagogical, I guess, is the, the deeper spiritual meaning. Mm -hmm. And but, we were having a discussion off air about this language of woundedness mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. And we have a tendency to, to use that language of the things that have been done to us by other people in our past. And that may, may or may not be true or, or the, the degree that to that affects us, but no doubt all of us in this sense of the scripture are, we are wounded by our sinfulness, our concupiscence. We have mm -hmm. a tendency to sin, mm -hmm. right? right? St. Paul, I want, I do that, which I Wish I would not do, or and we wound do not ourselves do. probably in many cases more than oh, yeah. anybody externally is wounding us. Oh I yes, mean, that we actually make decisions and choose to do or not do things. That we, we hold on to stuff. We don't forgive uh, people. We hold grudges. Uh, yeah, right. so that that's part of our woundedness. Mm -hmm. And so, but um, I love the priest. Yesterday we had a great little priest, Father Dan, that was um, doing a massive Thanksgiving. Um, he was just ordained in June of of this year, and. Um, and he talked about, you know, our scarred hearts and how, I mean, we all have scarred hearts, but what that should do is make us more compassionate, just like in, in the story that moved with compassion, you know, because of our woundedness, we should be able to use that for compassion for others. Um, you know, that we all probably have a particular, uh, I love how he talked about, you know, where do I see more, more clearly with the eyes of my scarred heart? Like, what am I drawn to, to, you know, to like, I think, you know, with my work, I mean, my goodness, I mean, my, my work with, with patients with dementia, 
I mean, my my caring for my mom in her last year has made me so, I mean, so much more compassionate. And I realize, you know, this little do-gooder social worker walking in telling a family, you know, educating them on the signs and symptoms of dementia and how you handle it. We're probably not very helpful most of the time. Now, I really know, <laughs> you know, and, and I would consider that a scar on my heart, having taken care of my mom, you know, in these last months of her of her life with with her severe dementia. I mean, there were there were there was a lot of wounds that went back and forth with that with that care caregiving job, mm-hmm. but it has definitely made me so much more compassionate for those who are caring for, you know, their loved ones. So I think we all I loved that thought that where can I see more clearly because of my woundedness to be more compassionate to um to others. Right. Um, and and the difference between just giving here's what here's what it is is compassion means to suffer with, with mm-hmm. somebody. Yes. I mean that that's what the word yes literally would be translated to suffer with someone. So to just give them like which is here's what Jesus what does do. with that. I mean that's exactly. what he did. That's what he did. That's, he did. that's <laughs> ultimate. He compassion. suffered more than more than most of us will probably ever suffer. And he um, opened himself up to suffer with us in ways that we would never hope or, right. or, or, you know, to even think would ever happen to us with regard to being denied all those different things. But, but it is in the, I think in the scarredness and I, I'm going to, you, as you were talking about that, um, how the scar, the scars are on heart kind of allow us to help others. That, that's a, well, he called it more fertile soil that we yeah, should, it's, that, it's kind of <laughs> that our hearts up. should it's be, not, yeah. not hard. Oh yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah. It's been turned over. Mm-hmm. So Second Corinthians, this is one of my favorite ones because I think it points exactly. Second Corinthians, uh, chapter one, verse three through four, or even a little bit further. It says, "Blessed be God, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction." Mm with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. So it's part of, I mean, even there, Paul is saying, thank God for the fact that we suffer and that he's comforted us in our sufferings so that for the purpose of reaching out to others in their suffering, in their affliction, we're 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 all in this thing together as humans, and, and instead of well, that's not my problem or whatever, to the extent, usually by proximity, by somebody I'm in, coming in contact with regularly, whether it's through my job or at home or a friend or whatever, the idea is okay. I've been through something like that before, and I know how that feels. Therefore, I'm going to reach out and suffer with you because I've been there before. And you know, not you know, you don't have to. Like I said, loss of my mother, loss of your mother. You know, because of an example, somebody else that you don't have to have something special to say. You could just be there, and so, um, and that's a way of a way of doing it. So I think it's completely consistent with with um, what God. Had, has taught us about that. Our woundedness opens us up, you know, to that. And it also calls us to reach out to others who may be experiencing the same. Um, Not probably used as an excuse, more as that's a way. I I like the way he started the article because he talked about God's providence Mm -hmm. and how it comes in these kind of different ways. And if I could encourage anybody, myself included, God often works through very different circumstances. He doesn't come down always and say, this is what you need to do or stop doing that or whatever. It typically comes through a friend or a situation or something that pricks your heart. That's the way he speaks to us in most cases. And I think we as Catholics, we as Christians need to be have a soft enough heart to recognize that, okay, if, if we start seeing or things are happening that are pointing us or drawing us this direction, that's probably a direction that we need to head. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I, I think that something that's 
powerful about the the parable brought the out good Samaritan the Good Samaritan <laughs> parable the Good Samaritan parable <laughs> that's brought out through the reflection is we have a tendency to think that um, for the most part you know we're handling stuff right and I've got this and yes. I'm doing this I never think that you know and I've got everything <laughs> under control. And what the parable is telling us is that us lying down in the ditch, wounded, bleeding out, basically Bunny about to di- about to die. Right. That's not a sometime thing, a one time thing. That is our nature. That's our permanent state as human beings. And, and we have to, the only way we get out of that ditch, the only way that we live and, and actually live fully is with that Samaritan Christ coming down the road and applying the, pouring his blood out onto us right, and so, putting yeah. that oil, mm-hmm. which as he says, ties into baptism, confirmation, anointing of the sick, holy orders, and bringing us to that inn, which is the church. Mm-hmm. That's the only way we get out of the ditch, which is our our fallen human nature. I, I mean, love that the, to, church, to, the hospital for sinners. Yeah, right. <laughs> to, the church. to sit and yeah. to sit with that for a while. That mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how handsome you are. It doesn't matter how many great experiences you have. How many wonderful good moral acts you do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. you're in that ditch. Yeah, that, that's your nature. At all, and, and there's not really a whole lot. Wow, there's that nothing hum, that, that you can you. do. There's mm-hmm. nothing right. There's nothing you can do, and that's the way. There's nothing you can do on your own. On your own, that will actually make a difference in terms of getting turned around, getting up healthy and turned around. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the answer to woundedness is or whatever as it came up is we have to admit that, mm-hmm. and and then recognize that we need. Jesus, the Good Samaritan, to come. You need a savior. You need a savior, and and I love because I think he also talks about this because it's interesting. <clears throat> so this is actually reading from the parable we're talking about. <laughs> the Good Samaritan, the good right? Samaritan, <laughs> okay. Yeah. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came uh, to where he was talking. He being the the person that was beaten up and robbed, and when he saw him, he had compassion, which Stephanie just brought up, and. He went to him and bound up his wound, wounds, pouring oil and wine, um, which I guess were in this story that kind of jumps out as like a well, what the heck is he pouring oil and wine? But the church looks at it in those inspired words is the wine of his blood, you know, mm-hmm. the infinite value of that blood to to heal those wounds, and then the oil, which typically they think of pointing to the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um, at least four of them have oil involved, right? You have you have baptism that would have oil involved uh, in the right. Uh, you have confirmation that has oil. You have anointing of the sick, mm-hmm. and then you have um, holy orders, mm-hmm. right? That would have that would have that. So the church, and then he brings it back. He brings him back. He brings him back to uh, the place. And I think that if you t- this is getting to the which I think is the anagogical sense, the kind of the spiritual behind it, not just, I mean, those those are in terms of pointing to those and saying that's what that means. That would, I guess, be allegorical. But the fact that we're in need of a Savior because of where we find ourselves, all of us are, and that Savior comes and pursues us and brings and brings us back to and I, th- I don't know if he brought this up, but I've heard it before talking about the he brings him back to the innkeeper, mm-hmm. and is that what you were talking about the kind of, kind of the hospital? Kind yeah, of, the hospital kind of the, for sinners. Mm-hmm. The church is kind of br- br- brought back to the church, and that and that he says, okay, here I'm, you take care of them, which is pointing back to yeah. to us because mm-hmm. we can find ourselves in all of these. We've got to take care of those who are brought to us by Christ and and help them and trust that no matter what, because he says, you know, 
I'm going to give you enough to do it. But if you're, if you don't have enough, when I come back, I'll give you, <laughs> I'll repay you. So it's not, it's not like, Hey, you need to make this work. It's not like that's, that's not part of the story. You know, I'm going to give you this now. Make sure you don't spend more than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, it's, it's again, that tying back to the prodigal son, <laughs> the overabundance uh, or the extravagance of he went out of his way, brought him to the church, takes, he actually binds him up himself, brings him back to the innkeeper, stops the innkeeper, says, here, take care of him. I'm going to give you, I give you the money to take care of him. And if that's not enough, when I come back, I will take care of you. But I love at the very, at, at, towards the end of the article, kind of in line with that, he talks about that we have to receive that love and mercy from the Good Samaritan first, or we have nothing to give away. Right. Um, and he quotes um, 1 John four nineteen. Um, you know, we love because he first loved us. So if we don't accept and have that love from, you know, from Jesus that we have nothing, we, we have nothing to give. We can't be the innkeeper. We can't be, you know, we can't be like Jesus unless we've, <laughs> Because really, we're meant to be kind of a, a conduit, a, mm-hmm. a channel, you know, talk, you know, we, that was a song that was a, this one, right? Made me a channel of your peace, mm-hmm. right? Which I guess is the prayer of St. Francis. Mm-hmm. And so we have to see ourselves. We ourselves can't, do it. I think we get in trouble. I think we also get burdened and begin to despair when we look and say, "Well, there's not, I can't really do anything." Or I, you know, sometimes you look at the problems of the world or the problems around, and you say, "I had this happen to me the other day." And I love that you brought up St. Francis. Don't right. let's make sure that we get to okay, come we'll back to it. him. But the weight that is on when you start thinking, "What can I do?" And the reality is, in most. They think there's nothing you can do. There's something that God can do through you, but you have to receive that and then let it overflow. My cup overflows. That's the, what it's meant to be, is that I'm, I'm being a channel, that the graces are overflowing out of me, and God is working, <clears throat> not me. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that tension that we have to have as Catholics. Is, there's stuff I've got to do, but i got to recognize that what I'm doing is a fruit of what I've already received. It's something that's kind of channeling through me. So mm-hmm. what were we going to say about St. Francis? So found a, a great reflection on St. Francis from Amy Wellborn uh, that I read to the kids last night. For, we prayed on for our family prayer, and it, it was basically about uh, for part of his life, he uh, spent time ministering in a, lep- a leper community right, uh, nor- outside of Assisi. And she, she used that to say, okay, th- those around you or you, in your family, pray about who right now is the, is the leper? Who is your leper? Mm-hmm. Who is that person in the family that that you just, you don't want to get close to that. You don't want to have to deal with their, their stuff. You try to, you know, you try to avoid um, a lot of interaction with them because it's just, you know, maybe it's uncomfortable or it, it takes time or it's messy because right. they have dirty diapers, you know, <laughs> it right. could be a whole host all of things. things. Um, make a commitment this week to, minister to that leper, to go out of your way to love and care for and bind up the, the wounds of yeah, that, I think, that leper in your in your family. And I think the story from St. Francis, because I think the one thing, he was a very brave person. He would have been a warrior, you know, that's that's part of his conversion. But he um, he was petrified of the of lepers mm-hmm. and and there's the story that that he that he went and saw a leper and began to turn away and then turned back to help him and went back to help him against like he was scared to death and he 
realizes <clears throat> it's it's Jesus because he it dis the the, the leper yes. disappears, and that that's the way we've got to recognize that we have to see Jesus in the people we meet, even the people we don't like. I mean, that the Jesus is there. Right. So. Well, and I, I have a great, just this great analogy that our, um, that our uh, uh, spiritual director left us with at this retreat that I was just on. And, you know, she said, she talked about the fact that, you know, yes, we need to get up and pray in the morning and, and have that quiet time and, and try to start our day, um, you know, with Jesus. But we need to keep checking in with him during the day. Like we can't, you know... Uh, we need to make sure we're, we're we're coming back. And she gave the 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 image of a yo-yo, and wow. we were all like, "Where is she going with this?" And she talked about how, like, think about how you how you use a yo-yo. Like, you 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 have it close to your body, and you send it out, you know, and and you know, with that with that oh. thrust of force and power. And I'm sure there's some physics in there that I have no idea about. Um, I was never very good at yo-yos. Yeah, me neither. But, but people that are, you know, they can do, you know, you send it out and with the force you can do several tricks, but what happens if you leave it out there? Mm. (laughs) And in her words, she says, it shoes, like (laughs) it just fizzles. Like it, it can't, it, you know, it, it, the string gets all wobbly and it just like flounces around like a fish out of water. But, you know, before it shoes, you got to bring it back in. And that's our image of Christ. We need to keep coming back to Christ during our day. Um, so that we don't shoo shoo. <laughs> and there I'm you sorry. have it, folks. <laughs> don't shoo shoo. That's the, that's that's the whole point of the show. That's my moral theology for that's, the day. That's a good one. That's, that a, is, that's some Cajun that's moral theology. One. But anyway, I just thought that was beautiful. It um, beautiful. And so it made me, so I've been setting my timer. Like I set my timer at noon and I'm trying to do the Angelus. And then at three o'clock, yeah. I'm saying a, a three o'clock prayer. But anyway, that's kind of how I, I, I took that's that. Excellent. But um, good, good advice. Well, so let's do our memory verse. I think I'm switching gears here. I'm going to use um, that John four nineteen um, love because he first loved us. We Perfect. love because he first loved us. So just remember, only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. He always will. God bless. Always. God bless you guys. Pray for us. We're praying for you. Amen.